sing as one for this country we're walking on we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand welcome to another episode of the environmental as anything podcast If you went down to Myrtle State Forest on Monday, you might have been in for a big surprise because a determined group of forest protectors ranging in ages from three months upward were there to let the Berejiklian Government of New South Wales know that enough is enough. This group of young mums and dads want their children to grow up in a state in which koalas and their forest homes are protected from extinction and our timber industry is 100% based in sustainable plantations. past, present, and emerging. I'm a naturopath and a mother of two. This is my daughter Ramona and my daughter Matilda. I'm here because they're about to start logging at Myrtle State Forest. Myrtle State Forest is a public native forest. It is not a plantation forest. This type of logging is unsustainable. This this forest has been burnt um, in the last fires that we experienced in January, December and January of Uh, this year and we had about 80% of the forest be burnt um, around 70 to 90% of koalas um, which is already an endangered species have have died Um, so we are here to protect the last remaining of the forest this forest is an important carbon sink 
um, and it is vital for a stable climate. Um, this land is sacred and we need to start treating it as such. Thank you. Thank you, Isabel. Would anybody else like to hi. speak uh, to the people who are watching right now yeah, we live? Will. Say hi. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Hi, my hey. name's Leah um, and this is Adam Hello. and Eliza. Hey. Three months old, protesting for our forest. Oh, oh, so happy. Um, we are on Bunchalung country and um, want to acknowledge the country that we're standing on. Um, and yeah, we're here for the forest, families for the forest. Um, I'm wanting to fight obviously for the future for our children um, and make sure that she can, um, you know, have access to the beautiful country that, <laughs> that we, we are so lucky to have and we need to look after. Um, yeah. yeah. And obviously, well, we're from the UK, so um, we are so appreciative of the, you know, the country that we're living in now. Yeah, it's and so beautiful. It is stunning and it's really, really sad to see, you know, how burnt it is and that our country is willing to yeah. This is the koala corridor, so we want to make sure it that is. Eliza has the best chance to see. We want you to see the, cor the koalas. The koalas. Hey. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's really important that that she can experience that and and know that she can stand up for for what she believes in. Yeah. yeah. We want to make sure she does that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. Too bright. Say hey. stand up for the forest. Yay! 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 <laughs> Good for you. Thank, Thank you. you. G'day, yes it is. Hi, hello, I'm Amber and this is Annabelle. We're everyday people just like you. We're here for the forest because forests in this area have been saved before by everyday people like us. And it's people like us who need to show up and do what we need to do to make it happen. And this is sacred land and it can't go on anymore. It just can't go on because if we don't do something, there'll be nothing. Thank you. Thank you, Amber. That's awesome. Would anybody like to step up? I'll have a go. Okay. G'day. G'day Maddie. Um, hello, my name is Maddie. I'm from Lismore and Widgeable Wyable country. I'm really concerned about um, public native forest logging just down the road from where I live. Um, at a time when we're in the climate crisis, it is ridiculous that logging would be continuing in these public native forests just after fires as well. We're here on Bundjalung country as well and these sacred lands need to be respected. For the last few years I've been part of a research team looking at how um, extreme weather events affect communities' mental health and I'm really concerned about how projects like this will continue to impact on our mental health for years to come. Um, climate change is affecting all of us and, and logging at this time will just release a lot of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and we can't afford to be doing that anymore. So. Really, really happy to be standing here with these incredible parents who are standing up for their children's future and their future. We need to be um, focusing on intergenerational equity so that people um, for generations to come can enjoy these forests and, and breathe clean air. Thanks so much. Thanks, Maddie. Her name was Koala Lu.
the emu loves her, the platypus loves her, and even tough little koala claws next door loves her. But it was her mother who loved her most of all. A hundred times a day, she would laugh and shake her head and say, Koala Lou, I do love you. Whenever she stretched in the early morning sun or climbed a gum tree or bravely went down the track all by herself, her mother would smile and say, Koala Lou, I do love you. The years passed and the other koalas were born. Brothers, sisters for Koala Lou. Hey Tamlin. Hi. Thanks for coming out to uh, Myrtle State Forest today. Yep. What what brought you here today? Um, I wanted to show my kids the blockade and get them to think about what needs to be done so their future has clean air and animals and think that it's our responsibility to come out and stand up for forests. Come. So this, uh, I bought my son because he's got a totem that's the koala. Oh really? The Borabi. You love koalas? Yeah. They're my favourite animal. Yeah. So I thought they're we'd come and have red pandas are too. Tibetan red pandas, yeah. Well they'd match your uh, your, your your hair, wouldn't they? Mm. <laughs> and my name, because I make a song. I made a song. And um, my name on the song is T Red. That's my artist name, but the song's the long road. Ooh, he read the long road. Yeah. Oh, that'd be lovely. I'd like to be yeah. able to play that. I've got a radio show. Could I play it on the radio? Totally. It's on Triple J on Today, today should be a school day and I thought it was more important that they come out here and I've brought three children with me today because I wanted to show them that this forest is being logged and it's vital koala habitat and it doesn't seem fair that after the bushfires and the environmental degradation that our government has allowed that the last little remnant of food for our koalas, a critically endangered species, should be logged. Mm. It's not right. So we've come to stand up for forests. This is Malaya. G'day Malaya. Why did you come today? Well, because I love koalas and I like playing with trees and I love how they give us like anything we need. Mm. Something magical about that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We love our forest, we're standing up for life. We love our forest, we're standing up for life. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks so much. That's awesome. You guys are great. Thanks. My koala name's Daisy, part-time nurse, part-time rebel, part-time koala. <laughs> I'm here to support these beautiful mothers and families and these beautiful forests. 
Um, we need everybody we can. They're going to start logging here. Hopefully, we'll, we'll be together as a community and we'll save these trees, we'll save these koalas, save all the species here and save the planet. Thank you very much. Stand up for Christ. So, a goodbye all. Songs were sung, speeches were made, stories were read, trees were hugged and climbed. And there was a unanimous agreement at the end of it all that everyone was looking forward to coming back again and bringing all their friends and families with them. Why don't you join them next time? Many thanks to the artist known as T-Red for permission to use his music track, The Long Road. Community action in our forests continues to ramp up every day as the social licence for the native forest logging industry collapses. Sue Higginson has been a tireless and effective legal advocate for the rights of our ecologies. She recently acted on behalf of the courageous protectors of Wild Cattle Creek to have their unreasonable bail conditions overturned, and she joins us today to talk about that case and the growing legal peril that the deforestation industry finds itself in. Sue Higginson, thanks so much for joining Environmental as Anything today. Thank you for having me. Oh, always welcome. You have recently had some success in uh, Wild Cattle Creek in representing the uh, courageous protectors uh, there of that forest. Can you tell us what's going on there? Yeah, so the two um, protesters um, were arrested as a result of direct action where they locked onto machinery and they stopped work for many hours in Wild Cattle Creek. And when they were arrested and charged they and processed, by the police at the police station. They were released on bail, um, but one of the conditions they were required to sign was a condition that basically said that those two individuals were not allowed to enter any state forest or any national park in New South Wales. Um, So basically, we made an application to vary that bail condition and we were wholly successful but what really we applied our submissions before the court were and and just think about this for a moment Mm -hmm. so we've got two people who are charged with offenses that um, ultimately um, whilst there was one slightly more serious offense the offenses they were charged with are fine only offenses penalty infringements amounting to a hundred dollars only obviously before court could that amount could be up to $1,000, but we really are talking fine-only offences. Mm. And, and then a condition on these individuals that their liberty be restricted. Now, freedom of movement is a very important right that we all hold and, and ought to be enshrined and upheld. Yeah. Um, so these two individuals are therefore restricted from 
9.2 million hectares in New South Wales. So that's 92,000 square kilometres, which actually equates to 11% of the entire of New South Wales. That's right. not allowed. <laughs> Seems slightly disproportionate. Well, that's right. So, look, um, and, and look, there is another, in my eyes, there was another compounding factor and that this restriction is actually a restriction on public lands. So, you know, you look at all those factors together and I made submissions to the magistrate in Coffs Harbour and I think the case was overwhelmingly clear mm. that this was an inappropriate use of the bail laws, that the condition was not reasonably necessary and nor was it proportionate to mm. the offending behaviour. So mm. the magistrate... Um, absolutely said he, he um, found it hard to understand why such a condition would be imposed, removed the condition entirely. Interestingly, though, the prosecution on behalf of the police maintained that they said it was a necessary condition that the community needs protecting um, and that, um, but obviously those submissions were wholly unsuccessful. So, and so can I, can I just, to, just pause you there for a moment? Just that the, that, so the, the, this was non-violent protest there was a peaceful protest in which people put nobody else in danger or threatened machinery or, or made threatening utterances or any other kinds of threatening behavior it yeah. was clearly a very peaceful non-violent respectful protest and these are the these are the, the local uh, traditional owners the gumbangir acting in in concert uh, as as a uh, the traditional owners of this uh, this land yeah, so one of the defendants is an Aboriginal man who um, has direct authority from the Gumbanya people to act and help and assist in the protection of their um, traditional lands. And, of course, these public forests are, of course, all um, native title lands to mm. the effect that, you know, native title is a well and truly live issue. Native title is not extinguished on these lands. So, um, yeah, look, these were submissions that we made on behalf of the individuals and, of course, we were wholly successful in that regard. So the um, both individuals were extremely happy that they had obviously had that um, uh, freedom reinstalled back to their movements and that they are, you know, as they ought to be, entitled to move freely, particularly yeah. on public land. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, the phrase, I can't breathe, springs to mind for some reason. But um, yeah. um, good on you, Sue, for, for, for making, uh, you know, for standing up and, and being, you know, applying your considerable skill set to this, uh, you know, uh, small but important, uh, uh, you know, case. And look, at the end of the day, really all we did was went in and applied the criminal law or the bail laws as they're supposed to or asked for the bail laws to be applied as they ought to be. And, of course, you know, there's a lot of discretion on part of the local court. And this case was, um, in my view and in my experience of many men dealing with many protest activities, this was clearly one of those um, cases of which we refer to as overreach in terms of the bail laws. And, you know, look, it, it happens. It happens regularly. Yeah. And... Um, you know, and then it becomes a decision on part of the defenders. Do they have the time? Do they have the capacity to mm. um, to, to be able to then challenge these laws? Mm. Unfortunately, um, it does require um, a whole a, a whole concerted effort to then go back to set the scales of justice back to 
the um, the, the, the the weight of which an individual understands when they first engage in a peaceful act of um, non-violent direct action in order to try to protect a part of the environment. Mm. And, and look, the conversation is never complete in my eyes without setting those, understanding those scales. And that is people often have to or believe they resort to these methods because if they don't, the very thing that they are seeking to protect has gone and is no longer the subject of the justice they're seeking. Yes, so yes. That's, that's ultimately what this is all, all about. People, in my experience, from representing hundreds of protesters, nobody does this for fun or because they want to necessarily. They do it because they're compelled, the circumstances are desperate, Absolutely. and the timing is just not on the side of environmental justice in that moment. No, so. when, and speaking of, uh, you know, environmental justice and timing, um, you know, the, there was an urgent need for uh, the the Gumbangir to recently take out an, an injunction or attempt to take out an injunction to stop work uh, or to stop the logging of uh, the Nambucca State Forests. Now, uh, we had Al Oshlak on uh, the show last week uh, speaking about the case that they They'd uh, mounted there, and it seems that there's a connection there in the in in terms of overreach. In that uh, state forests, what since 1998 have been effectively exempt from uh, from a wide range of uh, third party uh, civil actions, haven't they? Yeah, look, it's um it's been a, a, a terrible state at play in our environmental law since 98, and. Um, you know, the work that I've done with many organisations since then around law reform and highlighting, um, you know, inadequacies in our environmental laws, that is a consistent feature of those, um, you know, public interest legal organisations where they've made submissions to say, look, there was a change to the law in 1998. It means that our forestry laws are no longer best practice, in mm. fact, far from it. Mm. Um, and those, what we call open standing provisions that are actually at play in all of our environmental laws in New South Wales, but for these forestry laws. Yeah, so um, they're the exemption. They're, they're, they're exempted from this normal standard of legal practice that uh, they should be standing for third parties uh, to, to come yeah. in and and, uh, and challenge their activities. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it, when you consider it in the scheme of just a purely um, legal analysis of, uh, uh, you know, best practice laws, it, it, it is almost bizarre that the Forestry Corporation is, and these forestry laws are the only environmental laws in New South Wales that don't provide these open to party standing provisions for uh, members of the community to seek to enforce the laws where breaches are uh, breaches are occur. They they exist in in every other. Um, New South Wales environment law. And indeed existed up till 1998 for forestry. It was through those that uh, John Corkill, the legendary uh, John Corkill, took out, I think, eight uh, land and environment court uh, actions, which have effectively been the backbone of protecting uh, the old growth that we have uh, in our forests to this day. Absolutely. I mean, look, the people who have a close lens on this realise that 98 really was... Um, you know, the culmination of some of that incredible public interest litigation that, um, as you say, the legendary Corkill brought, won every case um, on behalf of, 
you know, people in New South Wales everywhere to protect these forests. It brought about a whole new scheme of protection for around forestry operations. But very sadly, as so much success does, it um, resulted in a, um, you know, a terrible backward step of putting an end to that kind of litigation. And, and look, as I start, where I started with this conversation is people, advocacy organisations have argued long and hard since 98 to change that, these laws, to reintroduce third-party standing provisions. And those arguments continue to be made, including by, you know, including by organisations like the Law Society and the Bar Association. Mm. These arguments are put time and time again. And I say loud and clearly to anybody who's listening, continue to push for these provisions to be reinstated. Well, because it's not just just an academic argument, is it? These are legal arguments which have had a huge amount of success, apparently, in the High Court. These these kinds of provisions have been overturned wherever they are found, haven't they? Absolutely. These are justice provisions. They are public interest provisions, and they are provisions that result in better and safer environmental outcomes on the land. Hmm. So it's, you know, it's... In a way, it's almost like a dirty secret that the government continues to get away with. These laws should not. Um, these laws should appear written in our legislation and in relation to the Forestry Corporation. They don't exist. And back to the Nambaka Gombanya proceedings that were sought um, and attempted earlier in the month, this is precisely the sort of issue that will get highlighted, which is always a good thing when it can happen in the ultimate venue of justice, namely the court. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's uh, there's some good news in, in all of that, so thanks for that. But look, there's also some good news uh, in Wild Cattle Creek, still in Gumbungir country. Uh, the, uh, the New South Wales Forestry Com- Com- Corporation, uh, Forest Corps, as I like to call them, ordered to stop work in Wild Cattle Creek. Uh, by the EPA of all things. Mm. Well, look at the. So, what is very interesting, really, is that given the public can't any longer bring proceedings against Forestry Corporation for breaches of their Forestry Operations Activity approval, so the approval that allows forestry to undertake their logging operations. Given the community can't bring enforcement proceedings, the one justification or the main justification for that is that the EPA does that work. Mm. That is the job of the EPA. So we don't need the public because we've got the EPA to do it. Mm. But what advocacy organisations and forest watch groups across New South Wales have been arguing for many years is that the EPA, I mean, think about it. You've got one government agency having to take another government agency to court or or to prosecute. It's not an ideal situation. Mm. Um, We've seen time and time again for the, um, you know, around the ICAC design, you need a wholly independent body, not one that is ultimately answerable to the same government that the the, the criminal behaviour is belonging to the same government. So Yeah, we're not allowed to police ourselves on the road. I mean, I don't have to report myself when I, when I might transgress a, a, a parking offence or, or a speed limit, do I? That, well, we look, we know it's not a regulatory system set for success, is no. it? It doesn't have the successful levers that are required. So the EPA has, for many years, had breaches reported to it and it does not do much about it. There's a whole history of that. There may be a paltry fine or a warning or that sort of thing. 
so it was quite um, it was quite illuminating only last week when it was found out that the EPA has actually undertaken a full audit, found breaches of the law, issued a stop work order. This is, to the, my knowledge, the first time they've done this, mm. and they are actually investigating further, and they will um, take regulatory action against. Um, you know, the Forestry Corporation. So, look, it is a very... Um, it, we're at an interesting time. It is at a similar time to what um, injunctive proceedings were sought by the Gumbanya people around Nambucca. Um, but, look, let's face it, I think everybody's aware, the EPA, other, everybody's aware that the pressure on our native forests after the terrible fire season it, 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 it is... A pressure that is perhaps too heavy to bear, burden too heavy to carry at the moment. So, um, it is good news that the EPA has taken action. But, you know, again, it's terrible news, absolutely terrible news that Forestry Corporation just doesn't seem to be able to get it right. Well, it, it, it doesn't take much uh, purse capacity. It doesn't take a, much, uh, you know, like insight to know that if you're logging a, a 170 or 190 centimetre diameter tree, that that tree was pretty precious and it should be left behind. I mean, it's pretty clear that the rules say that they're supposed to leave behind everything over 140 centimetres. So, you know, Forestry Commission, for, sorry, Forestry Corps have got uh, tape measures, presumably. How could they miss that? You know, Look, it, it uh, indicates a level of, of, of carelessness, of neglect, doesn't it? Or possibly even recklessness. Mm. Because, and look, I say this, I don't say this lightly at all, obviously, but I, 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 I tell you this, that on in 2013, so we're going back seven years now, six years, July 13, the EPA did take proceedings against Forestry Corporation about, uh, in the courts, and it was an incredible um, hazard reduction a burn breach that went terribly wrong and destroyed an, some incredibly sensitive environments. The judge of the Land and Environment Court found, and, and let's just finish with this, mm. the, the judge of the Land and Environment Court found that the New South Wales Forestry Corporation is guilty of, these are her words, systemic failures of forest management, and she concluded with the words that the offence included systemic corporate procedural and operational failures inadequate training and supervision of employees. Um, and ultimately, um, she found that the um, it did not necessarily take its stewardship responsibilities seriously. She said, the evidence of past convictions for environmental offences does not demonstrate that Forestry New South Wales has been a good corporate citizen with respect to environmental statutory compliance. They should, um, they should put that up on all of their forestry signs, shouldn't they? I know. What concerns me, the lawyer in this jurisdiction that has been working for decades, is that this was nearly seven years ago, six years ago now, and um, we were talking about systemic failures then. We are talking about evidence of what we're seeing the EPA breaching um, forestry for now and issuing stop work orders the type of offences that are considered um, manifest from systemic failures. Um, and I just, I don't think we're necessarily seeing what we need to see, and that is evidence of improved and compliant behaviour. And I think 
where the advocacy organisations are coming from at the moment and a lot of the scientific community is there's no room now for improvement. The pressure on our forests after the fires means that it's time to pack up and get out mm -hmm. um, because these areas are the last refuges we have. Um, remembering that we lost over, uh, uh, well, actually from reading yesterday, my understanding is our estimate that we've lost over a billion native animals through the fires is an underestimation of some significant proportion. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we are in a position where we really do, and, uh, uh, you know, the evidence in my mind, and obviously that's my currency, the evidence in my mind is that these native forests, public native forests, need to be protected for the benefit of all of us um, as we move forward into a changing climate, um, particularly now they've so many of them have experienced such significant harm from the fires. Absolutely. Wise words and uh, good ones to wrap up on today. Thank you so much for your time today, Sue. Really appreciate your input. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Are you looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental as Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from 2 to 5 for all the news, interviews and analysis you need to make the future you want. For the future, we're hand in hand.